Radio Free Tote Bag, I bring to you a new energy for the show. That energy is rage. My name is Arthur. And this is Radio Free Tote Bag. I don't know if that's it. I don't know if that's new for this show, but I'm, <laughs> but I'm Donovan, and this is also Radio Free Tote Bag. What are you feeling enraged about? I was uh, speaking with uh, a coworker at the unnamed retail establishment. As we were heading back to the time clock, and I, I happened to mention, like, ugh, I gotta be back in at 10, meh. And she says, well, I have to be at my other job at 8.30. And I'm like, wow, that's raw as hell. And she goes, yeah, hey, do you know why I work here? So that I can afford my health insurance for my other job. Yeah, Jesus in fact, every dime I make working for this company, I spend on paying for my health insurance for my other job. And I was fucking fear i'm so fucking angry right now i can't i uh, i'm having a hard time articulating it like it's not like this anywhere else we live this is why why is it like this it's just psychotic man yeah i'm feeling that on the unemployment too and i was lucky i had some money saved up but like even i had insurance at my last job but the cobra payments are like three or four hundred bucks a month yep and if you're already in a spot where you're unemployed it's like how the fuck does that make sense to throw that burden at people too yeah how about you just just, take every bit of the fucking money you're making from uh your health insurance or from from your unemployment benefits and just plow that right into paying for health care yep fucking (sighs) well we we hate that but we do have we do have some some positive news for this show. Uh, our, we got guest this week, uh, Kenzo Shibata from the Class Time Podcast, hey, coming fellas. in to the Radio Free Topeg Studio. What's happening? You know, uh, living the dream, distance teaching. Uh, it's the first week of that. Um, had to juggle uh, teaching my child because my wife had an appointment this afternoon while teaching my own classes it was uh, uh a nightmare yeah yeah <laughs> what's the uh, what's the age difference between uh your kid and the kids you're teaching the kids I, I i teach seniors in high school and my kid is eight years old oh so you couldn't just have them <laughs> sit in <laughs> it was i mean my kids are pretty easy like you know especially like i've had a lot of these students for three years in a row now so like i can just if they act a little too goofy, I could be like, come on. Like, I have that kind of relationship with sure. them where I don't have to, like, you know, threaten them or anything like that. <laughs> um, but then, like, teaching a small child who doesn't want to read uh, how to read better, that my hat goes off to uh, primary teachers. I don't know how they do it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Uh, that's 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 got to be a tough gig. And then, this, you know, everything right now on top of that to complicate it. Do you, Kenzo, do you want to kind of just introduce yourself? I guess you mentioned you're a teacher, both your teaching work mm-hmm. uh, and your podcast, which has the, the double entendre related to <laughs> yes. teaching. Uh, yeah, I, I launched um, a podcast called Class Time. Um, the double entendre is, uh, you know, it's primarily we talk about uh, class politics, but also I'm a teacher. Um, we have, you know, some education episodes. It's not too much of a recurring thing, except I talk about the job quite a bit. Um, have a lot of workers on the show, so we talk about our jobs, and um, education does come up a lot. Um, I, I started the podcast last October, which ended up being the last day of the Chicago Teachers Union strike. It was an 11-day strike, and yeah. we didn't know how long the strike was going to be at this point, but my friend Ambria, who was a first-year teacher and had a lot of really interesting insight into what uh, the whole situation looked like, I wanted to interview her and release it as something. So I launched the podcast and while we were interview while I was interviewing her, I got a text saying, um, a deal's been reached, the strike is gonna end. So that was a powerful moment. Um I got a lot of traction from that first episode. I think that boosted the podcast quite a bit because I, I broke news somehow um on, <laughs> on this podcast. Um oh, and wow. I wasn't in on it. It wasn't like I had some sort of insider information like there was just a very good coincidence. Yes. So if you hear that first episode, that's pure joy for me and Ambria when we heard found out the strike was over and that we got a lot of what we wanted, but not everything. Right. Um, and yeah, I was on the bargaining team, too, at that time. Um, 
So yeah, I've been a longtime uh, activist within the Chicago Teachers Union. Um, I was, uh, I'm in leadership now, I'm on the executive board, but I'm also in the classroom teaching. Um, and uh, I, I worked for, for uh, teachers unions for a few years um, after teaching. And then now I'm going back, I've been back in the classroom for three years now. Um, so yeah, the show that we have, um, it's kind of, we, we go all over the place. We had Ture Reed on recently to talk about class reduction. He's brilliant. And then we we'll, we had an episode on punk rock where we uh, had fun, you know, making fun of bands. Um, I try to like, <laughs> every week I try to do like one kind of fun culture episode. And that's usually, um, that's usually a patron episode and then like an organizing episode. And that one I'll, I'll put on the free feed. Yeah. Distribute that to the people. Yes. Yeah. And hopefully the people will also give $5 a month, but, uh, if they can't, I still want them to have the information. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm surprised you only started back in October. I, I was listening to one when I was cleaning up earlier, uh, kind of getting ready for this. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, I guess you said you broke news at the beginning, so that that blew you up a bit. But yeah, it's and been I, a very good show, is what I'm saying. You've had oh, some you. cool guests on there. I I would have expected you'd, you'd be doing this for longer. Uh so I just I through Twitter and through a few other channels, I know a lot of interesting uh, other podcasters. So um, yeah. yeah, they'll they'll come on the show a lot, and uh, yeah, we have fun. I think I uh, remember you from a appearance you did on Chapo, if I remember. That was correctly. right around the same time as the strike. Yeah, that was so. Oh my god! So like people like to talk so much trash about Chapo, but um, I went on Chapo and I talked about this um, program that we were doing in Chicago at the time during the strike. It was called Bread for Ed, um, and just organically, the Chicago DSA and the um, uh, Jobs with Just the local Jobs with Justice chapter. Uh, raised about $30,000 to feed families and students during the strike. Um, donations were kind of stagnant for a little bit. I went on Chapo and I gave them the link. And then overnight we had $20,000 more. Hell yeah. Oh my God. So like they did some real good <laughs> mutual aid by just having me on. <laughs> so anytime someone, you know, talks trash about them, I'm like, they've done some real good in the world. Yeah. I'm a, oh, I'm, no a I'm a dyed in the wool gray wolf, baby. <laughs> me too. Ride or die. <laughs> <laughs> well see you, you said you know with teaching you're having to do uh kind of the distance teaching and and what have you to to cope with this how has that been so far so last year it was awful because we didn't know at all uh what anything was going to look like so it was very much we had to figure things out as we were teaching and we all had kind of different systems for it. We all found things that worked um, more or less. Uh, but, you know, also like I, I say this as a high school teacher where uh, students, at least through like maybe sophomore through senior year, they're a little bit more independent. So I was making YouTube videos um, for all in, you know, in place of lectures. And then we would uh, have, you know, some online class to kind of, um, you know, work together on things. And um, kind of mixed results on there. Last year, it was such a, a sudden thing, and we didn't have, like, a policy in place uh, for, for any of this. Right. Um, we didn't really, you know, there was no direction at all. So attendance was really low. Um, a lot of our job was just, you know, finding students, just being able to, like, identify where a student is um, in that time. Um, this year, I feel like, well, the district did not prepare us. The district initially wanted us to do in-person instruction. Um, and then the union uh, made an announcement that we were going to meet to talk about striking. And then immediately the board changed their mind, like within a day or two. <laughs> Hell yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, a strike would have been absolutely disastrous because the kids would have had no connection yeah. uh, to the system, um, at least at the beginning of the school year. We're going to be um, doing the distance learning thing. Have you, uh, so have, what do you know? I'm, I'm out of touch because I, I haven't been in school in a while. Has, has school started yet? <laughs> it's September, I don't, or <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember when school starts. I thought it was like September, no? Or it's uh, like yeah. August? We're pretty late um, in Chicago. We, so we always start the day after Labor Day. But some of the suburban schools start like in um, 
July or even mid-August. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. See, my, my birthday. You... My birthday is late August, so I always remember having my birthday ruined by having to go to school. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Going right back. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious, too, with, with teaching high schoolers, like what's kind of the reaction you're feeling, you know, from from the youth with all of this going on? I can't imagine, you know, being in high school, having to go to school with all this fucking craziness. They're, the interesting thing about uh, teenagers now, at least the ones that I'm working with, is they're very um, good at they're very self-aware and they're very good at advocating for themselves. Uh, so students will like will explain exactly like, you know, the mental health issues that they were dealing with uh, during the pandemic, um, which in some ways I feel like their emotional intelligence is better than definitely I was at that age. <laughs> oh, yeah. so if I think of myself That's at 16 sign. and 17, I would have, I don't know how I would have dealt with this pandemic <laughs> at that age. I probably would have listened to some corn and maybe threw a bottle in an alley, that sort of thing. <laughs> I, yeah, that about sums up what I'd be doing. Um, and so like, just with, it's a really interesting time to be teaching civics. Mm. Uh, you know, imagine there's just with things changing so much. And, you know, when we were doing in in person instruction last year, um, just every day, like explaining to students that the shit that Trump is doing is not typical shit that like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm not orange man, bad, you know, style or anything like that, but (laughs) Um, you know, just is just throwing out all of these executive orders and seeing which ones stick and things like that. Yeah. Um, Obama was much more sly about that. It's <laughs> true. His executive orders stuck and like they didn't really grab headlines. So he was able to do some bad shit and like we didn't really know. Um, so but just, yeah, explaining to the to students that like and also the fact I don't want to like, you know, give them my political opinion but also in some ways explain to them how you know even though his conduct is is abnormal the fact that you know we can really learn from how the processes of government work and like you know at the end of the day um he's just he's doing evil shit like every other president there you go exactly no and even if you can't just be you know forthright with with left politics i imagine even being aware of that and being able to discuss you know, some of the some of the theories about, you know, addressing uh, different issues or like you're saying, the the kind of the fact that basically every president has been a piece of shit. This is just the first one who's being uh-huh. really loud about it. Uh, I feel like just getting out there, you know, because when I when I was a kid, I don't know if we even covered much beyond like the Soviet Union was communist and uh-huh. they, they were bad and communism is bad. So I, I, I like at least that. You know that that sort of uh, that sort of knowledge is is being put out there. Do you do you have like kids in general you're teaching? Are they pretty responsive to that, or are they like you know, nah, bro, mega, and they're coming in with red hats and stuff? Well, I teach um, at a school that's you know primarily students of color, a working class. Um, there aren't any like out and out mega types. There are some students who are more conservative than others, uh, but the students for the most part get what's going on. Um, and one thing that I find is that stu- or young people, teenagers, before they're really inundated with uh, what the media tells them, like how the world should be, um, they're really materialists at heart. Mm. If you give them the issue at hand and explain like what's going on, they haven't been tainted by like decades HR. of propaganda propaganda like you know hr um uh inherent bi- or implicit bias trainings and things like that right so like without being given that language they're really good at just saying oh this is wrong for this reason or something like that that's really good to hear especially you know among especially among you know not just because they're younger people and you know are going to be the people coming up soon uh, but the fact that, like, among high schoolers, you know, they're they're in the right headspace there. Because, I, I mean, I was coming up in high school uh, right when Obama was elected. And that was very much a time, I think, for a lot of people of just like, I don't do politics. It doesn't matter. You know, a lot of people who can, you know, have the privilege to be able to say that, right. to clarify. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so, I mean, that, that that is a good sign because I just, I don't remember. We had a politics class. I went to kind of a bougie school. You know, I was, I, I joined, uh, what was it, SPUSA back then is what oh. I found. I was like leaning into it, arguing with some of these, you know, chud kids from chud parents. And so there was, you know, a bit of discussion there, but like that was kind of central. Uh, centric to the class that wasn't I feel like politics just weren't talked about too mm-hmm. much I mean again you know this particular population is going to be yeah. less affected by things going on uh, but that's I think that's a good sign yeah and like one of the interesting things too about it like you know online just really skews the way we look at the world and like for me, I you know on a you know on a day when I we have in person instruction, I'm interacting with a hundred and fifty or so um, working class young people, and you know they I think are a better gauge of you know how the working class um, thinks about things, and you know with with my students, they weren't nitpicking things. They weren't saying like, oh well this person is trying to do activism, but they didn't show up to this, but they showed up to that. They used this wrong word for that, like. They were straight up just saying things like any teacher they saw either show up to a protest or post something uh, or they heard that we post something on social media in support of Black Lives Matter. They saw that as a good thing. You know, they saw that as a huge gesture that, you know, you'd see picked apart like on left Twitter. Mm. Right. That's awesome. And I'm sure, you know, that that's important to them and probably feels good. You know, knowing that their teachers are supporting what you what you got to support, you know, stuff that Mm -hmm. might affect them down the line. I feel like that shows, you know, a good amount of empathy and care. And I feel like as a kid, when you have teachers who are like that, that does so much for a person. Yeah. Yeah. I remember in high school, I uh, well, actually, the first protest I ever was a part of was a Klan rally (laughs) in the Chicago suburbs. We protested it. Um, and one of the things that was cool is we did run in, not one of my teachers, but one of the teachers from my high school was there. And that did mean a lot to see her there to protest it. Um, also, like, it, it opened my eyes to so much shit. Like, <laughs> you know, there was dozens and dozens of people there to protest the Klan, and they had about eight supporters there. Mm. Um, and this was where <laughs> I saw the whole cavalcade of socialists selling. This was the mid-90s selling newspapers. Um, you know, practically people on uh, unicycles with it was just it was the left circus of that time that I got to have a little <laughs> crash course in when I just wanted to tell the clan to go home. Right. <laughs> yeah, I had a, a nice bonus. <laughs> I had a similar experience uh, going to college for the first time, because like in my high school, it was it was just fully enchanted. I was one of like uh, I like that. I was one of maybe like four or five kids who didn't just, you know, beat on the, on the George Bush drum. Uh, I put a fucking Carrie Edwards sticker on my locker. I uh, like before, uh, first period. And by the time I got back to my locker, it was torn off and faggot was written on my locker. So that, that was pretty great. Uh, but I, I went off to college and these, uh, anti-gay protesters came to our school and we did the thing from God, what movie was it where they like, they put up the like they all put on angel wings and stood around the anti-gay protesters so that you couldn't see them and all you could see is the people coming out in favor of the gay folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did that to them, and it's like, <laughs> like it was so weird not having like an anchor for any sort of dissent. Like I didn't have any like outside of my folks. I didn't have anybody in my life who was at all left leaning. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's it's got to be huge for these kids to be able to uh, to see a good example of what opposition politics can be. Exactly. And while they're trying to figure out like their own stuff too, you know, to have actually have a, you know, an adult, uh, you know, a, a teacher there on that page you can relate to. So you don't feel like you're just cut out solo, uh, you know, in, in hell world. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, that is big. Everybody has an experience like that with, with a teacher who, you know, propped them up because being a teenager is fucking hard. And so to have that, you know, for the the same purpose for, for kind of political development and like consciousness of that. Yeah, I think I think that's really big. So we'd, lo- we'd love to hear that. I wish I could go back in time and have a cool socialist teacher like you, Kenzo. That's Me my uh, 
compliment. Compliment. Appreciate I'm that. Over there. I like a lot of people. A lot of teachers have that either their parents were teachers or they had like this monumental teacher that changed their life. And like I had, I had some good teachers. I'm not going to complain on all of them, but in high school, I didn't have anyone. I didn't have that. So I felt like that would be a good place for me um, to be like, to, to, uh, you know, show the kids that there isn't just one way of looking at things. Right. Uh, that's no, that's, that's excellent. Well, I got to ask you too our uh, traditional question on this podcast to take a, a little bit of a tangent into the theme <laughs> of, of the podcast. This is a show about relationships. Uh-huh. It's true. It says it, it says it right there on the logo. Uh but Kenzo, what is your most embarrassing dating or relationship experience? So, um you think this was I don't know. Well, been married for not I, I have to do the, the married math first because I've been married <laughs> for nine years. So this happened more than ten years ago. Uh I, I was dating this woman for I don't know, not too long, maybe three, four weeks or so. Um and then things just didn't um didn't go anywhere. So like I think I don't know if we just stopped talking to each other or whatever, one of us ghosted each other. Uh-huh. Um but uh we just didn't see each other for maybe a year or two. Uh and then I was at a restaurant with a bunch of friends and she was our server and i um i remembered like every single thing about her but her name oh and <laughs> so i'm like oh hey how's it going aaron and then i'm like telling my friends oh she goes to this you know she she just graduated from this program she's doing this she's doing and then like she didn't correct me at all then i kept calling <laughs> her aaron and then um you know the the we have our meal and then she hands me the check and it says server and it had her real name on it uh, and then it reminded me that her roommate's name was Aaron. <laughs> and I just gave my friend some cash. I'm like, I don't really feel like leaving my credit card here. And I, I really get to leave. Yeah, I, I got to go now. <laughs> oh, that's rough. Especially when like you had a close enough of a relationship that like you remember these things, you know, you, you have potentially memories together and stuff but the fucking name just fell out of the brain box at some point that's always a bad feeling (laughs) was her name close to aaron at all no oh because it was just the roommate damn could have been like sorry like that's how i pronounce jennifer it's a cultural thing uh your your name in the future (laughs) no i mean there's nothing between me and the roommate either but definitely uh that probably uh Raise some red flags. I mean, post relationship red flags, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if got into a fight with Aaron later or something. <laughs> yeah, I was oh, wondering no, what the repercussions yeah, for her were. If she just like, <laughs> oh man, like if she just spends the rest of her shift thinking about it. Oh, you, know, you dated Kenzo too? I don't know. I, 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 there's just so many possibilities. I don't want to know the truth. I just want to like have these possibilities in my head. <laughs> Sometimes that's sometimes that's for the best. Uh, so I have I have a, one one more a little mutation of that traditional question that I, what I was just thinking about when you're talking about teaching high school. Have you ever have you ever seen like any embarrassing or corny or maybe like particularly good I don't know but like case of like a student asking out another student. Um. I don't see that very often. Um, at least, you know, I think they're pretty good at doing that maybe in private. And like, That's I have this <laughs> attitude with them where like, I'm, I'm close to my students. Um, and like, we will share a lot of things with them, but I'm like, I don't want to know who you're dating. Like stuff like that. Sure. I would say, Oh, right. or if I see them kissing, Oh God, no. And I like, yeah, I, I <laughs> I've established the kind of relationships with them where I can do that and they they do find it annoying but they're not like mad at me about it. Right. Um so yeah, I maybe maybe they're afraid to ask people out in front of me. Maybe that was the issue. Have you <laughs> I'll just roast them. Have you witnessed a promposal? No. No. I, only on YouTube and on, on social media. Um I don't know, maybe it's just the school where I teach where the kids have a high Oh, actually, they have a low tolerance for corny. Sure, <laughs> sure. That's a good quality. That's a very good quality. <laughs> that'll serve you well. That'll that'll 
follow you your whole life long, not having much tolerance for corn. It makes it hard to like have an office job, though. I found. Mm. Oh, Damn. it does. Oh God, it does. Like with the 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 group birthdays and you know the the secret Santas and everything like that. Like I'm, I just feel like such a curmudgeon when I work in an, an office like that. Same. It just it feels so forced and artificial, and it's mm-hmm. just like ugh, I feel like they, and I feel like everybody gets skeeved out by that, and so it makes it harder to yes you know do non corny socializing. <laughs> Plus, you just got a bucket of different personalities and, and types of people and all that, but what have you. Well, shit, good good answer on both of those. I, uh, yeah, that just popped up into my head about students and stuff, because I, I remember a couple uh, a couple pretty bad ask-out situations on my part, but we'll leave that in the past where it belongs. <laughs> Well, Kenzo, are you ready to help us answer some relationship questions? I'm ready to to just to help to try to help at least. Hell yeah, we're we're saving we're saving people out here. <laughs> we are because uh, we have uh, two longer questions in the question box this week. Uh, the question box is right now. Asking all them questions, asking all them questions. Why you asking all them questions? Making statements. Uh, who? Asking all them questions. Asking all them questions. Why are you asking all them questions? Making statements. Uh, uh, yes. The question. Where you been? Everyone's how favorite much, part of the much, show, including myself. Much, if you, the listener, you can send your questions into us. We'll read them, and then we'll respond to them. You know, be it a question or or some kind of jokey. Uh, if you'd like to send your question in, you can find the link to the question box at radiofreetotebag.podient.co can also find it on our Instagram, uh, instagram.com slash radio free tote bag. And it's in the bio. It's anonymous. They don't have to make an account, click it, throw some stuff in there and we will answer. And this week, uh, yeah, two questions. And let's start with this one. Hello. I 21 M by really want to experience an experiment with more sexual partners but I'm having a hard time matching with anyone on Tinder. I am of average build and looks, not ugly, but not hot. What do you suggest I do to attract more hookups? Should I put something specific in my online dating profiles? Is there a particular app I should use? Should I pay for online dating services? Thank you if you decide to answer this question on pod. I love you both. We love you too. We love you. We are answering. What do you, uh, so what do y'all think about this? Uh, I can speak specifically to should I pay for online dating services? And surprisingly, the answer is yes. Really? Interesting. Yes. Uh, I have had a lot more success in dating apps, uh, when I have put, uh, the money down for a subscription. So, uh, on a lot of these apps, uh, Tinder, OkCupid, all of these, um, what they do is they have the little swipe right, swipe left game where you get the little, the brief bio, uh, a couple of right. pictures, and uh, you don't know. And part of the game originally with Tinder was you don't know if they liked you or not. So you got to you gotta like them to find out if they liked you or not, right? And it drives engagement. Eventually, mm-hmm. they introduced this pay service where you can see who liked you before you swipe, right? Mm-hmm. And... I have found that I get a lot more incoming likes than I imagine, right? And I'm the kind of person that finds, um, I find someone being into me attractive. <laughs> you know what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? That's, that's fucked up. And that, it's kind of it's fucking weird, right? Uh, so, so there have been uh, a number of situations where, uh, you know, I'll have the subscription up and I'll come across somebody and I'll be looking over their profile and I'll be like, oh, they liked me. And that'll make me a little more interested in actually reading through and not just knee jerking, right? And uh, yeah, so you, get, I find you get a lot more matches that way because there, uh, you know, is an instant generation of interest. I also think that they drive those people to the front of the line more than if you don't uh, pay oh, yeah. for the app. Like it's, it's all about gaming that algorithm and they, they do it to 
to keep you looking and keep watching ads. But once you've paid, they're like, oh, we already got the money. We can actually match them up with somebody. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can have some you can have a little bit of love now as a treat. Mm-hmm. I, I can speak to that, too, on uh, on Tinder. Uh, announcing this to the world uh, when I was on when I was on Tinder, I got the Tinder premium whatever the paid service they have where you can like people with the super like mm. and so instead of them mm-hmm. being in your queue it puts you at the front and I, I found that was worth it i had i had some good luck with tinder and uh you know if if you're having bad luck uh across the board you know maybe i don't know maybe try some other apps first because i see you're asking about that too or other sites mm-hmm. and so there's stuff like uh I've had a lot of friends, single friends, still say that like they've had good luck with Hinge. Mm-hmm. You know, fumbles are right in some areas. It, it kind of depends where you're at, but I think it's worth just getting a bunch of them, trying the free stuff, and then if it's working out on one of them, there you go, go with that one. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a, there's another person at the end. So if you connect with that person, you connect with them. It's not like you know, Tinder manufactures a certain kind of single person and hinge, you know, <laughs> rolls them off an assembly line. Like, you know, it's just, it's, it's basically email with a bunch of other, uh, coding around it. Yeah. Little games. Um, like I never dated in the app world, but I did date in when you had to like log into a, a website on a computer. Um, so that was a different experience. I think is people weren't just like sitting, killing time, uh, swiping, um, and the, I got into that because I'm half Jewish and I'm half Japanese. Uh, this is going to make sense in a minute. Um, <laughs> I was dating this Jewish woman for a little while. Uh, things weren't going so well. And we were having this conversation and she said this, and I don't endorse what she said, but this is what she said. She said, wow, you're not like a typical Jewish guy. You would clean up on J-Date. Mm-hmm. And I was a guy in my, I was a single guy in my mid twenties. You know, you don't have to like say that twice to me. So the most expensive uh, of the dating websites at the time, and uh, I did well. I met a lot of interesting women. I actually, the interesting thing is my wife now was on J Date at the same time as me, but I guess we never matched. Two ships in the night. Yeah, I never saw her (laughs) on there, um, but we both dated a lot of other people on it. Um, And you know, I don't have any horror stories from it from that particular website. Just some women I just didn't connect with. Some women I dated for, you know, that's for for months or weeks, um, but never, you know, met the person that I'm with now. Um, so I, you know, I guess maybe some advice I'd say is if you could find apps that are very particular to like interests you have or communities that you're in. Um, I'm also, by the way, I'm not. I wasn't particularly Jewish. Like I, now, I'm a little bit more practicing, but at that time, I wasn't at all. Like it was just. Um, <laughs> She was just like, yeah, you're going to go on there. And like women will say, oh, well, it's a Jewish guy. So that's good. But he's different. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and uh, so I'd say maybe maybe go with that. Also, um, I know it's hard because of COVID now, but just like putting yourself out there helps a lot, too. And I think one thing that people do kind of get hung up on, especially when people are having like dry spells or just not uh, getting dates, is just they're not really good at connecting their personality with the way they, they express themselves. Mm. So like it might be like the life of the party, the, you know, the best person in the room when they're around their friends, but then clam up um, or like try to put on some sort of act when they're dating. Um, so that, I mean, that's some advice I'd give to this person just in your, in your interactions. Um, you don't tell us a lot about yourself uh, except that you're not that bad looking. Um, and that that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, bad-looking people find partners too. That's true. And you listen to the show, so we know you're a fucking cool-ass individual. Absolutely. Put that in your bio. Be like, uh, my question was answered on Radio Free Tote Bag. You're gonna get so many notifications, you won't even be able to see the screen. You're gonna try to scroll <laughs> down, and just more notifications, and your phone will be broken, but your heart will be full, my friend. That is what <laughs> that is what I say to you. I, th- I think particularly good point at looking, especially if there's an app particular to it, uh, but either interests or like backgrounds for, for people uh, kind of similar to you, because it just makes it easier to start conversations. I always found a big, you know, kind of difficulty with it was like, how the fuck do you just start up a conversation? You know, sometimes it's hard to be like, uh-huh. 
how do I say this in a way that's like interesting, but you don't want to be too over the top, like like that sort of thing. Uh, so I think having something you know you kind of have in common immediately that that's big. But then in addition to that, like and you know, also on the flip of that, a lot of people just kind of send the hay out. Yeah, the hay is mm-hmm. you know it works, but it's not really going to grab somebody's attention. You got to. I put was it- always. Make a make a stupid ass joke or something, something that speaks to your personality. Like I'm a moron, so I made dumb fucking <laughs> jokes, and people were like, "This guy's an idiot." I love him, and it worked out. So just something you're into, maybe a kind of comedy, maybe something you've been working on or something. Just like start with something upfront that says something about you and isn't just gonna get buried in the sea of haze. Put a twist on the hay, make your hay stand out. Say <laughs> howdy, cowboy emoji. <laughs> unironically i do that i actually start yeah. most of my work emails with howdy love it <laughs> well thanks for sending your... and with cheers <laughs> oh good old cheers cheers is powerful that's a good ending one some of those some of the different like i always do best and that just seems a little generic especially starting with howdy and then ending with best uh-huh. that's, not, that's not right cheers just shows that you're a fun guy it's true. You're like, I, I'm working right now, but I'd rather be having a beer with y'all. Yeah. <laughs> I like to give him the... Just start handing with Mosey on. <laughs> <laughs> I hit him with the Stephen Brody Stevens. fucking drunk and break shit. <laughs> <laughs> I hit him with the Stephen Brody Stevens. I say, push and believe at the end of my work emails. <laughs> you got it. You got it. Uh, what a treasure. Thank Gone too soon. For, uh, thank you for this question here. And uh, good luck out there with the date. And hey, we're, like report back to us, especially if you, you know, if any of this helps and you have some luck, let us uh, mm-hmm. let us know. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we got another one here in this question. We got another one here in this question box. My uh, my partner's wife has some pretty extreme read, mostly founded, but some not real worries about covid risks. It's definitely wild and scary times right now but she has some really bad health anxiety that is playing really strongly into this. She's been really worried about me being able to see my partner because it will put her at risk for the virus because I work in person while they both can work from home. At work, I can wear a respirator that filters out 99.99% of particles and really cuts down the risk of me catching the virus far beyond just wearing a normal cloth mask. But I don't think she totally gets how much that actually helps. Do you have any advice for me to talk to her about this stuff rationally and lay out how I'm not a huge health threat uh, because I'm taking precautions in a way that is also respectful of her anxiety and fear and of the real threat that we are facing through COVID? <laughs> I like to tell you, I like to tell you, you got the question mark into there at the end. <laughs> so what this do you do? Tough. This is fucking tough. This sounds like a poly relationship. Yeah. They're saying my partner's wife here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I imagine that'd be extra difficult right now because you kind of just got more, you know, more people you kind of got to keep track of. Right. Yeah, this is um, like one of those boundaries you don't think to negotiate, like pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Put that on the docket for, for the future. <laughs> uh, this time around, we got we to gotta kind of wing it. Um. So I think, let's see, did he, did he say both of them or did they say both of them, the partner and this partner's wife, are they both, they can both work in, at work at home. Yeah. That's you. Partner and partner's wife work at home. Uh, this person works in an environment where they can, where they wear a respirator and it's pretty, you know, it's pretty sure that they're not going to contract it. Gotcha. But yeah, and it, but she doesn't totally get how much that helps. And that's understandable because mm-hmm. like, why would anyone have expertise about this stuff? Right. You know, this is. Oh, yeah. The information the, changes almost daily. Right. Yeah. So you could be saying, oh, I've got this mask. But then the next day and it's like, if your respirator filters out 99.99% of particles, you're going to get double Corona because it sees <laughs> it as a challenge and it beefs up and then it gets in there. Um, but so I, I think that is a big part of it. And I think either, you know, if, if you have a relationship uh, with your partner's wife here, if you guys are, are close uh, at all or, you know, communicate on a regular basis, he thinks you'd be open to it. 
If not, maybe just talk to the partner, maybe the three of you, some, some variant here. Um, but I, I would just kind of explain, you know, the whole protocol you have, this respirator that you're using, the fact that it's different from a cloth mask. It sounds like this is probably one of those big proper face ones, mm-hmm. you know, if, if, it, if it's that to that degree of uh, effectiveness. But, but I think just getting that information across to them and then just being like, look, like it's important for me to send my partner. I totally understand your anxieties about this. I don't want to, you know, put you in a bad place with that, but also like I'm struggling because I can't see my partner here. Yeah. And I think the combination of that information and also just be willing to to work with them like on on how you can get this set up. You know, if there's any concerns or anybody has, maybe you get tested, uh, you know, sometimes something along those lines. I think just laying those out to the person and also, you know, how this is affecting you. I, I feel like that's going to be the best way uh, to to handle it, because, again, like the information changes constantly, you know, and it's understandable to be anxious and and not be reassured by a, a respirator like this because oh, the masks were good and then they're bad and yada, yada. Um, so I, I think that's kind of the move. Bring bring the respirator. Show them the big piece of equipment. Be mm. like, I'm behind this. Yeah, make that concrete. Big mask. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think just, just really getting that information across and also just, you know, your needs here. you you got to be able to see your partner. Word up. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's three people have to negotiate their boundaries and, you know, it's all three adults have to consent to whatever the agreement is. Um, but yeah, I like that. Just lay out the information. That's really all you can do is, you know, reassure them as much as you can that you're as safe as possible and, you know, appeal to them too. And on that level of like, you know, you're, you're going to be lonely. Like if you have this negotiated relationship and now it's not part of your life, um, you know, that's especially in these times, it's really hard to be lonely. Agreed. Make her, make her a PowerPoint. <laughs> make make her a deck and just really lay it yeah, out that's not a bad idea really I mean, not <laughs> showing that effort and showing that you did your research could go a long way i think so that's very that's very true like i said just any, anything kind of concrete you you mm-hmm. can give any kind of concrete information because just it's kind of tough you know right right now to find that um but again Ideally, you could you could talk to to both of them here. Um, maybe communicate with your partner too, if you know. I assume they they know the wife better than than you know her. Um, but maybe if they have any thoughts about like specific concerns or anything that you could address when talking to them. Um, but I, I, yeah, I, I think that's really the only move here. And I, I I feel like it'll be all right if you really if you really show what you're doing here. Yeah, show your work. <laughs> I think the big challenge of you know answering these questions is like I have so many more questions for them now. Mm. Um, but oh, yeah, classic. that's not how the advice show works. You got to like work with the information they give us. <laughs> that's true. Very true. We're, we're detectives. We've come across the scene <laughs> of a relationship problem. We're, we're piecing together my absolute, the evidence. My absolute favorite is we get a question and then we manage to piece together that the question asker is actually the root of the problem. <laughs> Like that's my favorite. Oh, Hold on. What'd you do? Jesus, cat. What'd you do? Oh, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Hold on a second. Put a little, little edit point there. Yeah, let me see. Picky's tail cut on the headphone cable and somehow ripped the whole thing out with her tail. Wow. I don't know how that's even possible. Mickey got that small tail. <laughs> All right, I think I think I'm set there. Okay, we'll clap that back in. That spooked the shit out of me. What were we talking? <laughs> yeah, let's let's do a clap real quick. All right, count us in. And five, four, three, two, one. So where where did we leave off here? Uh, I was talking about how we managed to piece together that the question asker is the root of the problem sometimes. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. They can't gather in the evidence. 
But the but the suspect was in the house the whole time. <laughs> the house that is the mind and, and the realm of emotions, folks. Okay, I'm done with whatever the fuck that just was. <laughs> hey, we're going to Reddit now. Yeah, the house and that again, Reddit hey, built. Thank you. Thank you again, question box folks. Always love uh, answering listener questions. And as I said, if you're out there and you you'd like some you'd like some pretty good advice on something, uh, hit us up at that question box. Nice. Next question: What do women actually mean when they say "quote unquote" come inside me? Obviously, when two consenting adults are trying to make a baby, it's a different story. <laughs> My question is about when two consenting adults are not trying to make a baby, but both parties failed to prepare adequate birth control. As a heterosexual male, I am genuinely curious on what goes on inside a woman's mind when she says this. Even if she is absolutely sure of her cycle, it can be very risky. I also know that morning after pills are generally not a pleasant experience at all. We have some bullet points now. Does it actually feel better for the woman? Is it worth all the pain and risk? Do women only say it because they know men like me like to come inside? Is it just a spur of the moment thing because hormones are raging? Please educate this simple heterosexual male. Please. And that was posted by I am really sorry to all. <laughs> so <laughs> what does it mean <laughs> i've never is he asking legally morally right <laughs> right i uh i've like, never gotten this i've gotten you come in me you die some woman said that to me one time uh i've gotten uh i was dating a woman for a while and she one time very in like just the sweetest cutest voice of all time said come on my back like I will always remember that for my entire life. Yeah, I. I mean, it it means what it means yeah. for yeah. whichever individual this is. I don't think you can just do blanket statement of like, well, you know, just like all women, it means X, Y, and Z. It's not how it's not how people work. Do you guys um, remember Tom Likas? Tom like it, Tom. Yeah. Tom, Tom, Tom. Like his, his like his thing was like every time he threw out a condom, he put hot sauce in it so the woman couldn't impregnate herself with it. Like he was on that. He was on like this this mindset that like women were trying to get pregnant by him to to scam him out of money. So he had all these ridiculous schemes, and I and then if, if you look at him, you're like, oh, like. Uh, but <laughs> is that's really you're concerned here. of all people <laughs> Tom Likas like Tom oh, Likas have a definite going answer through the garbage this. looking for the Likas juice <laughs> holy shit I've and never like, actually seen this man I only know him from um, James Adomian's impression he used to do on Comedy Bang Bang oh that's right he did <laughs> Tom 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 Likas radio program yeah he was a shock jock for he might still be on the radio, but he was like on some like uh, syndicated, uh, you know, he was syndicated for a while. Um, but yeah, he was just absolute trash. But like he would have a definite answer because he thinks he's got this whole monolithic mindset for women. Like women are all doing this. Um, yeah. I would, you know, what I would say to the to the uh, to the person on Reddit, um, like it's going to be different in every situation. Like if you've been dating a woman for a few months and she says that. Um, you'd have a better sense of what she means than if it's like a one night stand. Um, and uh, it's really on you, bro, to like, um, if, if that scares you, pull out. Yep. <laughs> right. Yeah. And also communicate to them like, yes. I'm just not comfortable with that. People are going to be receptive to that. Yeah. You know, yes. and, and that avoids like awkwardness if you're just kind of, you know, trying to don't want to do that, but you don't want to like make them feel bad that you don't like that's that, that stuff's just not worth it. I'd just be direct on on that. Mm. But again, like it really it really is variable. I think like uh, my personal policy is I, I, I don't typically do that unless it's with a partner. You know, I've, I've been dating for a while because mm. because it, you know, it is risky. And I, like as for reasons why 
you know, women would want that because it, it's it's fun. You know, it's I've had fun. partners who really liked that because they just like the sensation. They said it was mm. hot. I think that's hot too. Mm-hmm. Pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> and like with the morning after pill, you have to like really ask yourself, are you going to be willing to drive to a CVS in the morning with this person and hang out with them? Um, or is that going to be really weird? Um, mm. Because that's not just a one night stand. Like if you're, if you know, if you're doing the morning after pill, um, and in some, in, in a lot of cases I've heard from friends, like they don't end up, a, a relationship doesn't really flourish from, from that kind of awkward moment. Um, <laughs> so you have to be kind of self-aware what you're looking into too, um, with, with this person. Um, so yeah, I just, there's, I need more information. Yeah. yeah. Once again, as, as, as is so often the case with folks, but but I reckon you know OP here seems to have some anxieties about this. Yeah, and that's totally cool. Like you can be uncomfortable with this. You don't have to do this, you know, and you can just communicate that to folks. I don't think that's in. It's not going to come across as insulting or anything. You know, I think a lot of people are like that. Yeah. So I think just being communicative about that and just not doing it if it's not a situation you're comfortable mm-hmm. with. And then in the longer run, you know, if you've been dating somebody for a while and like they particularly really like that, that's what they're into, you know, navigate different birth control options or, or condoms or whatever else you, you might do for that just to make sure that, you know, you are you are being safe about it. Um, but again, I think with like a long term partner, you know, it's it's definitely not as it's definitely not as big of a deal as if, you know, you're having a one night stand. I think that's when it, it's kind of like, don't, mm-hmm. don't do that. Why are you going to do that? Yeah. With the one night, you should wear protection too. If it's like a one night stand. Um, but like in a long-term relationship, like it, you should be having relationships about sex and you should have, be having conversations like very sober <laughs> conversations and not in the heat of the moment, negotiating boundaries, talking about what you like, um, and things like that. So there wouldn't be a mystery to it at that point. Or like, you know, she asks you to do that. You say you're not comfortable with it. And then, you know, post coitally, uh, say, Hey, what, what was up with that? Is that something you want to try? Um, and then talk about birth control options for that. Yeah. How to try it responsibly. Bingo. Just get that, get that talk out there. It's, it's not only okay to talk about this stuff. Like it's fucking essential to talk about this with your partner. So don't, you know, don't worry about asking Reddit and theorizing on this. Just ask the, ask the person you're with. And again, if you're not comfortable, you don't, you don't have to do that. Yeah. And a lot of people, you know, they appreciate that communication. Um, and it's not going to, it wears them out more than if you just try things and look for like a positive <laughs> response. True. <laughs> or come up with some like whole uh, convoluted story about why you can't come inside people. <laughs> last time you're allergic I, I, don't, I haven't i haven't talked about this much but la- last time i came inside inside of someone a, a black hole opened and swallowed half of the greater chicago area i can't do it <laughs> i can't risk it again i'm uh i'm part dog and if i come inside you we're gonna have to be stuck like that for the next two to three hours <laughs> and that's just a time commitment that i'm not willing or to like, make you know last time i did that uh a couple planes crashed in a couple towers and <laughs> I'd rather not talk about it right now. Oh no. <laughs> Jet come can't melt Jet come can't melt steel be a workshop. There's something there. There's a bin laden you gotta work in there too. <laughs> oh fuck, that's good. That's good. You know what else is good? What's that? This next question. Nice. My 36F, husband 36M, is acting weird about my new job. For the first time in our relationship, I'm out earning him. I think this is the problem. So six months ago, I got a huge promotion at work, like gigantically huge. It's been challenging, but I'm doing well. I've been married for eight years during the course of the marriage. I have been out earned by my husband quite a bit. Money has never been an issue. It's not like he ever said, this is all my money. But he has made little jokes here and there. About three years ago, we had a serious discussion where he told me that he wanted to take our lifestyle to the next level. Nothing frivolous. We live in the Boston area and want to buy property. But he felt stressed out and burdened because it would make us much more reliant on his income. 
I dropped out of college about halfway through, and he urged me to go back to school so I could earn a higher income. I did go back, and I'm super glad I did. And after my promotion, I'm out, I'm out earning him by about thirty grand annually. He was super excited and happy for me at first, but now he gets weird when money comes up. We've been able to save for a down payment on a house, but he gets very touchy anytime I bring up the fact that my new income allows us to up our budget considerably. Back in the day, we had an in-joke about how I was going to go shopping for clothes or on Amazon or whatever, and I would say I was going to spend all his money. He bought some expensive shoes, and I jokingly said, don't spend all my money, and he blew up at me. There are a couple of other smaller incidences where he has been uh, sensitive about money. He wouldn't out and out say it, but I'm thinking he feels emasculated by my new salary. How can I talk to him about this without making him feel like shit? We share all finances, so he's reaping the benefit of more money, and I know he is proud of me, but he insists that he is happy about it uh, when his actions speak otherwise. TLDR, husband feels, uh, husband makes less money than me now, and seems to and seems to be in his feelings about it, but won't admit he's in his feelings. This was posted by Purple Ad three three two eight. That's no fun. No, that's no fun. I feel like uh, Mister Purple underscore Ad underscore three three two eight has has some big insecurity going on, and I think there's a couple contributing components that that would make this worse. You know, given uh, where we're at, like for one, I I think the emasculation is is probably uh, a good read on this, even mm. if this guy's not like an out and out like red pill shit bag like we're raised in that patriarchal stuff you know you're, you're dealing with propaganda from that your, your whole fucking life and so even if like you can articulate you know you're happy for her and all that if you're somebody with some insecurity i i can see how this you know the combination of that and the cultural pressure for the man to be the head of the household or, or whatever i can see how that would you know make you feel insecure but like that's all founded on bullshit. So don't don't do that. And I, I think communicating to your husband, get him to open up about this basically, like what the anxiety he's feeling is and where it's coming from. And and then the other thing too, we've talked about this before, but we live in a culture where you know people's wealth is kind of looked at as like the value of that person. Mm. And even in situations with with friends you know, or especially your partner here when you're with each other considerably and these things come up in great detail, these, these financial details, I can also see like a sense of, well, she just got out of college and is making this much. I've been working. I'm not there yet. Like I'm, I'm fucked. I'm not progressing the way I should, mm. but to, all to say, I, this is, I think this is coming from a place of, of great insecurity. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say that, you know, definitely communication in this, like, if unless she addresses um, his insecurities on this and, and maybe not even frame it that way, but just kind of like to figure out what his issues are, you know, especially if he's blowing up, you know, once he cools down, it might be a good time to like bring up. So we're going to have to talk about this because it's going to be a lifetime. Otherwise, it's going to be a lifetime of him sniping at her and making comments and then blowing up at jokes. And yeah. that's a shitty relationship. <laughs> Yeah. No, that that really is. The two of them roosting in a in a beautiful palatial estate in the outside of outside of Boston. And yeah, the they heart- have two incomes and one of them is thirty thousand dollars more than the other. <laughs> They're doing better than most people. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. The, the the hearth is warm, but the hearts are cold. <laughs> you don't that's, want that. That's another thing too. So I think getting him to open up about what the specific things he is feeling anxious and insecure about are so you can kind of a- address those as opposed to just this vague kind of uh you know a- a- upsetness he's he's getting when you talk about these things so i think mm. him just talking about that i think will help i think also reminding him like you know you're i'm your fucking partner here like we're we're, we're a fucking team we count as one household on taxes mm-hmm. this isn't like me beating you, you know? But then beyond that, also just maybe into some of the cultural reasons this is happening, especially if you're kind of both ideologically uh, in a wheelhouse that that acknowledges that at least. 
Um, but then, uh, let's see. And I, so I, I, I think those are the main things. Just, yeah. just convince your husband to be a socialist because then, you know, it's arbitrary how much you get paid. It all has to do with what the capitalists arbitrarily decide. Mm. And some of the hardest working people in society are the least paid and some of the highest paid people don't uh, don't do shit. So like it's all our, that's kind of how I look at it. It's, it's arbitrary. And like if you have more money around you, awesome. Like then you could pay off student loans and pay off other things. Um, but, you know, I, I have a hard time wrapping my round, head around that. But I could see it definitely, you know, we are indoctrinated in that, like where the man is supposed to be the provider um, and as a society, like we don't have that anymore, like neoliberalism and, and um, you know, the rolling back of social programs um, has made it just so much harder to survive. And we so then, you know, we have more two income households. And as a society, we never discuss, discuss like, what is that supposed to look like? And, you know, we still have a lot of carryover from the old school of thinking of, you know, the men providing, which is just not the case anymore. Yeah. Barely anyone's providing. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> That's the other thing. I think just reminding him that like both of you are doing well, you're doing securely together. Why, why kind of waste the time feeling anxious about this? Yeah. Yeah. Why have anxiety over money when there's plenty? Oh man, my, my, my partner, my family, we're going to start making more money. Oh no, it's coming from her. <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> and also like having that conversation about like why he feels the way he does it might uncover something he might be reacting to something else completely going on something else going on that he's uh not comfortable talking about um so I, you know it, it all really does come down to communication i think that's very true and again i think just getting it out there showing him you know that you're there for him and he can talk to you about these things and you're on the same fucking team i i think will do a lot to combat this insecurity absolutely i just want to read this comment uh real quick that i found um raspberry and lime flavors with a splash of smooth keystone light now that's key lightful <laughs> <laughs> what it's an ad. You know how Reddit will put in uh, ads that look like posts? Yeah, that drives me crazy. <laughs> They're always madly upvoted and commented on, too. Who's on Reddit and is like, oh, a new Colgate toothpaste? I need to join the discussion. <laughs> Cultural discourse about this toothpaste. <laughs> they have to be paying, you know, a Russian troll army to be upvoting crest <laughs> ads. Mm -hmm. Almost certainly. Almost certainly. I'm going to make a new Reddit account called Russian Troll Army. Just, up, <laughs> just upvote ads all day. Yes, this Colgate toothpaste <coughs> is so minty it'll remind you of the coldness of Siberia. Because they're Russian. Yep. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's where they send people that are bad. <laughs> well, I don't want to be Russian to the end of the episode, but here we are. Oh, hastening uh, towards fun guys thanks for coming on yeah you were excellent thanks for having me on guys this is fun uh Ken, so do you want to tell the people what you have going on anything to plug oh uh, yeah so i think you know the best place to find everything if you go to the twitter account at class time pod um that's probably the easiest thing to spell but also patreon.com slash kenzo shibata which is my name uh You'll be able to find like all my premium episodes. I do Twitch streaming, YouTube, uh, whatever I can to get the the socialist message out, and um, also try to have as much fun as possible while we do it. Hell yeah! And we'll we'll put the links to those in the description too. So if you're interested, check that out and click those links. All right. Hell well, yeah. thanks. Thanks for coming on. Uh, no worries. Our, uh, our intro song is the song Hanging On by the band Nowhere. You can find their music at nowheremusic.bandcamp.com. And our outro music is the song Stephanie by the Hayfellows. You can find them at instagram.com slash the Hayfellows. Uh, we're on Spotify. It's three words, the Hayfellows. Uh, after this episode, I'm going to sit down for a while and do some hard thinking about what I can say to my coworker uh, with her insurance money problems uh, to get her to uh, fight with us uh for the end of the private insurance industry because mm -hmm. i'm still fucking furious understandably
and decommodify survival. That's what we need to do. Straight up. That's what it is. That's what it fucking is. Well, we survived to the end of the episode. Another big thank you to Kenzo for coming on. Let's get one of these going. guys. Standing ovation. Spinning (laughs) on my desk chair standing. The audience is going mad. Uh, I'm going to wrap it up. I'm going to lean right here on this microphone. I'm going to say, I love you. Thanks. Bye. Mwah. All right.